Good morning, everyone. We are uh, in the second part of a series we started last week called the Jesus, uh, not the Jesus I ordered, rather. And today what we will do is uh, have a bit more of a focus on the skeptic. Well, our Bible reading this morning will be from Matthew 15. We'll read verse 21 to verse 28. Uh, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Brendan, and I'm part of the Houghton Life group, and I'm, I'm in the band. So, yeah, yeah I have the reading. Uh, it's taken from Matthew 15, from verses 21 to 8. Uh, Matthew 15, verse 21 to 8. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me. O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Let's pray as we come to God's word. Our Father, we pray this morning that as we come to your word, that we would see Jesus' goodness. uh, That... In this passage that seems confusing, that we may see his great invite to those who are far off, those who are considered to be your enemies. And we pray that this very invite would cause us to turn to him, and as we have just sung, to bow at the cross, where mercy and hope is found. In Jesus' name. Amen. Things that you wish Jesus never said. I think this passage here would be among those passages. I mean, imagine the public relations nightmare if this story took part today. Here's the headline you would get. In big and bold, Jesus calls a Canaanite woman a canine. Now, you know who would have the best uh, headline for, the, for, the, for this, right? It would not be the Daily Maverick, but Daily Sun, pointing this out. Now, I said this a bit earlier in the earlier service. I hope it, it rings true here as well. And the Daily Sun would have this title as, Jesus called someone Inja. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's confusing. It does seem confusing. What's happening here? And what you can be certain of is news anchors would lap onto this story with words uh, such as this, words that are repeated, bigotry, hatred, narrow-minded, racism, arrogance, intolerance, prejudice. And Jesus would actually be called to make a public apology and his public or his PR team will come together to help him to put this statement together. Hashtag, I am still a work in progress. 
Hashtag Will Smith. See, this story here just seems confusing and even upsetting to some. Actually, one author says this about this very story. This is shocking, shameful, hurtful, hostile, hate-fueled, offensive, unforgivable, and obscene. This Jesus Giza, has he ever heard of gender studies? I'm just so furious. Just who does he think he is? He just offends everyone left, right, and center. You would think he was the way, the truth, and the life. You would think the world revolves around him. You would think he is the big I am. I hate him. He's not my Jesus. I mean, what happened to Jesus, gentle and lowly, that we learned about last week? What's happening here? It seems, as you look at the passage, instead of open arms... He has a pointed finger. Now imagine if you're here this morning, and perhaps you are a skeptic. You're someone who for a while has thought there's something wrong about this Jesus figure. This passage here seems to affirm what you have always believed. That he is a bigot. That he's narrow-minded. That he excludes people. That he discriminates against people on the basis of ethnicity, gender, or any other thing. Perhaps as we read the story, you thought, hey, bang on, there it is. I've always known there's something wrong about this Jesus. And here we see that so clearly. See, if that is true, if that's what is happening with Jesus here, then you have every right to ignore him. You have every right to reject him. But what if that's not what's happening here? What if instead of excluding her, Jesus is rather including her. He's inviting her to be invited. He's inviting her to be included into his family. He's inviting her into his goodness. What if that's what's happening in this passage? Would that change your view of Jesus? Would you be willing and open to see what Matthew says about this Jesus? Matthew, if you know anything about him, who was once someone who was excluded until Jesus came to include him and bring bring him into God's kingdom. Would it change your view of Jesus if you saw him as Matthew presents him to us? Well, I hope it would. I hope you will realize that this Jesus is not the Jesus you think he is, He is not the Jesus that you ordered. So this Jesus is a Jesus who comes to invite all of humanity into God's story, into God's family. He has not come to exclude. Here's the phrase I'd like you to remember for today. Jesus has come not to shame and exclude, but to save and include. And in this story here, It is exactly what we see. We see that in a test that he gives to a woman, a test to invite her into God's great banquet. And actually, that will help us because those are two points for this morning. First point, this is an inviting test. Our second point will be an invite to the table. Let me say them again in case you missed them. An inviting test from verse 21 to 27. And an invite to the table from verse 26 to verse 28. Let's go to our passage and we'll read from verse 21 to verse 27. 
Our first point is an inviting test. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon, but he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But, but she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Once again, our first point is an, invi an inviting test. If there are two words that you would never put together, it is that. A test and an invite, right? Or test that's inviting. You have, you've had a few students here who've written exams. That's not what you would think. But as we come to this passage, this is exactly what we will see. This is an inviting test. Jesus gives this woman a challenge to draw her into his story. See, he wants her to see who he is. But the interesting thing that we see in the story is that Jesus does not just invite her to see who, she, who he is, but he actually invites his disciples as well. See, as Jesus tests this woman, he's testing her not just for her sake, but he's testing her for the sake of the disciples who don't seem to see or understand who Jesus is. See, he wants them together to see who he is. So keep that detail in mind as we come to our story once again. Verse 21, notice that Jesus goes to an, an area that is called Tyre and Sidon. This is an area, if you like geography, that is northwest of Israel and south of Lebanon today. Jesus goes into this area which mostly had Gentile people. He's on the border of this area and he seems to be healing and teaching as we see in the verses before this. And the first encounter that he has as he gets to this area, to the border, is with a woman that Matthew identifies as a Canaanite. Now, if you've heard this story before, Mark actually tells us this very story, but he calls this woman a different title. He refers to her by where she stays, whereas Matthew refers to her by her ethnicity. Why does he do that? Why does he tell, her that she, tell us that she's a Canaanite? Well, we'll have to think about who Matthew writes to. Matthew writes to Jewish Christians, and he is aware that the mention of the word a Canaanite would bring a particular reaction to them. See, the Jews and Canaanites were arch enemies. They had a history of bad blood, wars, and slavery, and much more. And so he's aware that if he mentions this name, there's a particular reaction that he will draw from God's people. God's people who had long awaited the God when the Messiah comes to save his people. God would, the Messiah would go about destroying the enemies of God, including those who are Canaanites. And here Mark sets up a scene for us. Here is Jesus with someone who is considered to be an enemy of God's people. But she has come before him 
and desperation. She is in need. How will the Messiah, who has come to save God's people, the Jews, respond to her? See, the expectation is that he would turn her away. And when we read the verse, look at it with me. Verse 22. And behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, son of David. My son is severely, my daughter rather, is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. See, that response there is something many would have thought. Oh, that's good. It makes sense that he ignores her. To them, it would have seemed like, an, like Jesus is ignoring her instead of testing her. And this is why the disciples actually turn to Jesus and say to him, send her away. She's crying out after us. The crying out after us actually tells us that this is something she's doing for a prolonged time. Send her away, Jesus. See, the response of the disciples is is the response that you'd expect from all Jewish people as it relates to people like her. Exclude her. Exclude her from your goodness. Exclude her from the goodness of God's kingdom. I mean, do you wonder what she's thinking as well? As she's walking up to Jesus? What is she thinking? Is she perhaps wondering the very same thing that others are? Will he turn me away? I am, after all, an enemy of his people. But then she remembers. I have heard. See, I've heard that he is the lifter of burdens. I've heard that he has lifted up the burden of someone who was an enemy of God's people. In Matthew 8, Jesus encounters a man who is a centurion, a man who worked for the Roman army, the Roman army that oppressed God's people. And as this man comes before Jesus, he comes to plead just like this woman on behalf of someone else, his servant, And perhaps she's heard of this story and how he healed the servant. And so she thinks to herself, I'm going to get to him. I'm going to go to him. I trust that he will help me. She goes to him and turns to him. But Jesus, in verse 23, afterwards we see after he said, he's ignored her. This is what he turns to his disciples and says in verse 24. He says to his disciples, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And he actually says this in her hearing. Now, Jesus is correct there. He's correct that he is sent first to the Jews to save his people, to save the Jews. But what the Jews had missed, not only from the time of Jesus, but as far as the Old Testament, what they had missed is this. God chose them God shows them to show them his goodness and his blessing in order to bless the rest of the world. If you want to know what the biggest issue is with the Israelites in the Old Testament, it is that. They miss that. They miss how God has actually saved them, has brought them to himself in order to bless the rest of the world. There's a book that you can read in the Old Testament, the book of Jonah. In the book of Jonah, God actually refocuses the attention of his people to those who are on the outside, to those who belong to that great city, the city of Nineveh. 
So this is what the people of God in the Old Testament had missed. But even at this time, this is something the disciples, the Pharisees, and most of the Jews are missing about the identity of God and the identity of Jesus. Jesus has come not to shame and exclude, but to save and include. So yes, he's come to save the Jews first, but he does that for the very purpose of using them to bless the rest of the world. And you see this woman at this point, as she hears this statement, she would have thought to herself, yes, he has come to save his people, but I've heard I've heard that among the people that he taught on his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, that there were people from the ten cities, people who were Gentiles. I've heard how he's taught and healed people who were far off from God, people who were enemies of God. And so although he came to save Israel, I've seen through his ministry how he has come to give God's goodness to all people. And so she draws near to him even after she hears this statement. You see, Jesus here is testing her. He's drawing out a conversation. He wants her to come near to him. And even in the next statement, that is very shocking to us. That's what he's doing. Notice the next statement that Jesus says to her. It's not to his disciples this time, but to her. After she has said to him, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. If there's one thing you can see about this woman at this point, is that she gets what Jesus is doing here. What Jesus actually says to her is a common riddle here. These words that you see in verse 27, in verse 26 rather, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. It's a common riddle that people knew at the day, during this day. But here's the interesting thing that Jesus does at this point. The word dog that he uses there is a different word to what the, the Jews would have referred the Gentiles to. So when the, the Jews referred to the Gentiles who were not just pagans, but some who were their enemies, they used a word that means wild dog. A word that means scavenger. A word that means a feral dog. The word Jesus uses is different. He uses a word that means little dog or puppy. Now for most today, that makes no difference. He's still calling her a dog. Right? But here's the interesting thing. See, among Jewish people, although dogs were despised, despised as much as pigs, Little dogs were often accepted and allowed. Little dogs would often be accepted and allowed even around children, even during mealtime. And this woman picks up something about what Jesus is saying in this phrase. With little children and little dogs, in this parable and riddle, if you have kids, I have three. When they eat, always stuff left behind. There's always crumbs. There's always crumbs left behind for the dog to come and eat. See, what this woman says in verse 27 is, yes, it is. She's saying, 
your goodness is so boundless that it reaches out not only to the children of Israel, but even to those who are on the outside. Just as with a little child who eats, they leave something behind for the dog to eat. She, she gets the riddle that Jesus uses. She gets this parable. She understands that Jesus is inviting her in, which is why she is not offended, as most people are when they see these very statements here. She gets what Jesus is doing. Moreover, what Jesus does in this statement is actually to get her to realize how she is in desperate need of him. See, that little puppy, if you know anything about little puppies as well, they're dependent. What Jesus is trying to get her to see is her dependency, not just for her daughter to be healed, but her dependency for all of life on him. The master, the true master of the table. That's what he wants her to see. And she realizes that. She realizes her great dependence, not only for her daughter to be healed, but for, but, for whole, but for her whole life. I actually love the way that one author puts it. This is Philippiancy. This is what he says about her at this point. Dependence, humility, and a sense of abandonment are qualities that are greatly prized in Jesus' family. And that's what we see of her. She shows complete dependence. Complete humility and a sense of abandonment. I can go nowhere else but to him to get this sorted out. Or I've heard that he is the lifter of burdens. And so I'm going to get to him. Like a rose growing through the cracks and concrete, I will get through to him to get some sunlight. That's what she does. Once again, Philippians says this, but human beings... Don't readily admit desperation. We don't. But when they do, the kingdom of God draws near. See, Jesus draws near to her because she has realized how, how desperate she is for his saving grace. Saving grace not just to heal her daughter, but for her life. That's what she realizes. And you see this morning, if you are here, and perhaps you've been excluded by other people for all sorts of reasons. Perhaps you've been invited by someone. And for a while it had felt like even the people in the church had misrepresented Jesus as someone who would exclude you because of your sin, because of your past, because of your ethnicity, or anything like that. This Jesus here will not. He has not come to, to shame and exclude. He has come to save and include. And the disciples need to see that. They need to see particularly how Jesus has come to save all people, even those who are far off from God. I mean, so at this moment, think about this. Who's the one person that you think is so far off that God can't do anything to reach out to them. What this passage wants us to see is God's goodness reaches out even to them. It does. That's what we see in this inviting test. 
That was our first point. Our second point is much shorter, an invite to the table. I want you to see in the second point, an invite to the table, what this whole passage is all about. Let's read verse 27 to verse 28. Let's pick it up from 26, rather. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed immediately. Now, I've just pointed out to us that this whole conversation is not about the word dog, but it's about a particular word that we miss out in that passage. This story is actually about the word bread. That's what this story is about. Who gets to enjoy the bread from God's kingdom? Who gets to enjoy the Messiah's bread? This is what this story is about. Who gets to enjoy God's goodness? And again, I pointed out that the Jews thought it's only them. But you see, Jesus wants them to see that it's for all mankind. And Matthew wants us to see this as well. And the way that he does it for us is by putting two stories at either end of this story that he tells us. If you page with me, if you will, just turn the page so you can see this with me. If you turn back, you will notice uh, that Jesus talks about the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000 happens in a Gentile area, and there Jesus, in a Jewish area, rather, and Jesus there feeds 5,000 men. This is, if you notice, Matthew 14 and verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds headed, they followed him on foot. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. And a little bit later, we see that Jesus actually feeds this 5,000 people. This 5,000 people, or 5,000 men, really, because there's more. You can say 5,000 families are Jewish. This happens in a Jewish area, but I want you to see something different. Page with me, forward now. Turn to chapter 15. Notice what we see there in verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on their way. And the disciples said, where are we going to get the food to feed them? And Jesus feeds 4,000 people, 4,000 men, rather, or families. Guess where this happens? In a gentle area. Why does Matthew do this? Why does he put two stories about feeding on either end of this story? It is to show us that this story isn't about, about the woman being called a dog. This story is about the bread, the bread of the Messiah, the great banquet, the great meal that God invites all of humanity to. His table that Isaiah refers to in Isaiah 25. See, God's desire has been from the very beginning to invite all of humanity to his table, to enjoy his goodness. His goodness which is seen in people being forgiven of sin, 
to enjoy his goodness in people being in being in people being helped from suffering in people being adopted into his family so that he cares for them as father so this is what this story is about I love it what one author says about this very table. He says, his table, this table that Jesus invites us to, instead of a table where we're excluded, this is a table of, this is a place of safety and welcome. This is a place of forgiveness and a place of celebration. This is a place where we gather with God as friends and as his children. This is a place where sinners and bad people are drawn in, not because of what they have done, but because of what God has done. Because of what Jesus, who breaks bread in both stories, will do. See, just as Jesus breaks bread in the two stories, actually his body will be broken so that all who were excluded from God's table will be included. His body will be broken. He will die for others. He will be excluded so that those who are not children of God will become his children and enjoy the master's feast. The woman is invited to a feast. And so is all of humanity. If there's anything, anything that shows that you are including someone, it is a meal. I preached a series at our church not too long ago titled Meals with Jesus. And we said this. One of the biggest ways we can see as a church that we are a church that reaches out to people, that includes people, is by inviting those we would think God would never save to our tables so that we can build a relationship with them, so that they may be saved as they see the gospel acted out in our lives. But why do we do that? The reason we do that is because God himself has invited those who are enemies, and that's all of humanity, to his table. This is the good news that Jesus has come to bring. Phil Yancey once again says, in a nutshell, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation tells the story of a God reckless with desire to get his family back. See, that's what God wants to do. He wants to get humanity back, including those that we see at this moment are excluded. Jesus has not come to shame and exclude. He has come to save and include. This is the gospel. But I imagine that as some have heard this this morning, you have heard that this story is not necessarily, well, this story actually isn't talking about Jesus being a bigot, but rather it's a story that tells us about how Jesus invites us into his kingdom. I imagine some will still decide to reject Jesus. And you will reject him for many other reasons, even after you've seen that he has not come to exclude and exclude you or anyone else. And I think part of the reason that you will reject Jesus is what we see with the Pharisees in this very same chapter. So the problem with the Pharisees in chapter 15 we see is this. They reject Jesus and his message because they think they can bring something to, be, to the table to be included. 
they think they can work their way to the table. They think they can do something to change the defilement or uncleanness that is in their hearts. But they can't. See, none of us can change the brokenness in our own hearts. As much as we can't change the brokenness in our world, God needs to intervene and step in. And he has done so. See, to try and do this, to try and work our own way to God when God has invited us in, forgive me for this language. It is as foolish as walking up to a door that says, pull, and you push. No matter how much you push, it's not going to open. And actually, the reason why you are outside excluded is not because of someone else but because you have not seen the invite that stands before you. You have not seen what has been stated before you. Pull, come in, and enjoy God's great banquet. If you're a skeptic this morning, I really hope that more than anything else, you have seen how good Jesus is. Good, even to those that most people Attempted to exclude. If this God does not exclude, you and I as Christians have no right to do that. Jesus has come to save and include instead of shame and exclude. Let's pray together. Our Father, we pray that this morning we would have seen Jesus' goodness. His goodness not only to offer healing to the daughter of the Canaanite woman, but his goodness to bring her into your heavenly banquet. Father, we pray that this morning we would see that this goodness is extended to us today, us who are enemies because of our sin. We pray that we would see that you have made a way for us to be brought to your table, to be forgiven of sin and made children, children who are adopted into your family, children that you care for, children that one day you will bring into your new creation that is without all the suffering that we see in our world, including discrimination and exclusion. In Jesus' name, amen.